The whole market went through the roof. But they said nine million, nine million job losses, nine million. It's what going to be. Are we going to break 20 percent? Are we going to break it? And then the numbers came in. And one of the folks that was reading the numbers said, wow, this is a great number. It's only three million job losses. And then reading it and said, you know, I don't think this I'm not reading this right. Let me look at it again. Oh, wait a minute. This is three million gain almost. Well, Jim, first of all, we, we couldn't be more pleased with the success of the PPP, and you saw that in the unemployment numbers. So not only did we save millions and millions of jobs, but there's no question in my mind the increase in jobs was a direct result of the PPP and reopening the economy. Those are both very important factors. Well, we're never going to say we've done everything we can. We're going to do everything until we get rid of this virus, both economically and on the medical side. You did mention the unemployment. Let me just be clear. You know, we knew there was an issue with the unemployment where some people were getting paid more to stay home than to work. So whatever we do with unemployment, we're going to fix that. I kind of am hoping that we just trade sideways for a while. Uh, Yesterday was a very difficult day. There's some stocks that came down that I think are real buys. I'm not kidding, and I'm not talking about cruise lines. I'm not talking about airlines. I'm talking about some solid companies that have come back to levels that we haven't seen in in a while. Uh, I am all in on vaccine and antibody. I think uh, masking, social distancing, federal money till we get to vaccine and antibody, and then I think that we're okay. Well, unemployment benefits will not stop in August. What? may well stop and this uh, reform is necessary i mean almost all businesses frankly on both sides of the aisle or mostly both sides of the aisle understand that the 600 dollars plus up that's above the state unemployment benefits that they will continue to receive is in effect a disincentive i mean we're paying people not to work it's better than their salaries would get and that might have worked for the first couple of months it'll end in late july Uh, I think that returning to employment, uh, we are in the administration, the president is looking uh, at a reform measure uh, that will still provide uh, some kind of bonus uh, for returning to work, but it will not be as large. Well, I don't know that I would judge it that way. I don't think it was sloppy. Again, I repeat, the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, said this is the most efficient distribution of emergency rescue funds ever. All right? That's the CBO. That's nonpartisan, Jake. Now, insofar as naming each and every company, I don't think that promise was ever made. And I don't think it's necessary. I think what is necessary is to make sure that the legalities were observed. Yeah, those were things that were said. Oh God! <laughs> those absolute motherfuckers. They're just pouring gasoline and pouring more gasoline. Do these fuckers want to play Minecraft and get guillotined or something? I guess. 
it's just so stupid. This is beyond let They're not even stripping the copper wires like... out of the wall. They're just exploding the fucking house. <laughs> yeah. This is like... There is no smart plan here. This is just fucking stupid and pointless and spiteful and is going to kick everyone in the teeth. Honestly, at this point, I'm declaring this timeline... ASB, it's alien space bats, it's unrealistic, and it should be moved to a different forum. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, like... They must be, like, it's... They must have graduated yeah. from paint to turpentine. Because this is just so damn stupid it does like it's either that or they sincerely genuinely believe the only way to motivate the pores is with a whip at I mean, their backs to be fair that's probably what they believe yeah they've backed themselves into a corner and they think that violence is the only way in order to maintain their control but because like their other because they've weakened their other tools they're they're stuck with only violence and that can only do so much. Especially when you get to this point that people are protesting police violence. When uh, burn a police precinct 2020 is the most popular yep. presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, we forgot something. <laughs> oh yeah. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We do this so I'm you don't have to. I'm Ms. Silver. I'm Doc Spider. And I am Death, the peace before you see the rocket. Uh, um, St. Helen is kind of going on hiatus. She's got her own stuff to deal with. Um, I wish her luck. <laughs> but um, if you're wondering why she hasn't been appearing, that's that's why. Hope. That was depressing. <laughs> her, yeah. Her life should be recovering luck. soon enough. She just needs to get out of her current situation. Yeah. And also, you know, shit's kicking off in Portland. Mm-hmm. That too. And so, yeah. Um... The White Horseman is on the horizon. COVID deaths are on the rise. And, you know, every health official ever mm -hmm. yeah. saw this coming. Like, we're, we're stuck in that shitty Roland Emmerich movie, I guess. Which one? All of them. Any of them? <laughs> Don't you make fun of Stargate. <laughs> Look, look, okay, look at this way. This timeline is just like us doing Stargate soon. We just have to get through all the disaster parts first. <laughs> Apparently. Either that or this is like the setup to First Contact, but instead the writers decided that like, you know, nuclear <laughs> war was 260s. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, there's um in the the states that it's been that it's been spiking in have been Texas, California, Florida, and Arizona so far. Mm -hmm. 
but like the case rates are rising pretty much everywhere. There is and like no US state was actually consistently in decline for any no. kind of extended period before the reopening started. So th- even like fucking Kaiser Newsom completely dropped the ball on that. Yeah, well, I mean there was a lot of pressure. Um they really want to reopen the economy because well, there's how else are they going to keep this whole shell game running? And cuz more basic level, all of state funding is based on the assumption that the economy is actually happening if you don't have sales taxes or other like usually consumption-based taxes but also like income taxes corporate income taxes coming in then like pretty much every municipality from like like the most like podunk five-person town you can imagine up to new york city and like Every state, too, is staring down the barrel of a massive, like, how the fuck are we going to make the ba- the books balance? I mean, we talked about this an episode or two ago, but it's like, it is worth stressing that it's not just the really small towns that have to rely on, like, one or two festivals to carry the entire fucking town budget. It's also, you know, much larger municipalities. And nothing works if the economy's stopped but at the same time i mean the 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 big issue here is that the opening up versus keeping uh having like you know lockdowns and quarantines is that it's a false dilemma is that there are things that other countries have done like ubi allowing people to not have to pay like to have like rent forgiveness and forgiveness on their debts and like uh-huh. these countries have been doing fine like and like handle and getting the COVID-19 under control the issue is here is because we have this particular American capitalist orthodoxy that sees those sort of steps as anathema to the very ideology that sustains the regime like they don't want to do that so thus we're basically like stuck between the bulls of the horn they also were managing to like get some sense of okay well this will work out like some amazingly self-deceptive bullshit with this like stock rally that's finally stopped like this bubble that like we've basically been calling this for the last couple weeks that this whole thing in the stock market has been just absolute bullshit and even that like fucking like, last refuge of the markets, and Jim Cramer has finally given way because, you know, reality's actually caught up with <laughs> Wall Street for once. Oh, jeez. So, speaking there of sure which, are... do you want to talk about the stonks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that, like, because we saw that on, like, so starting at, like, June 11th, we saw like the biggest dive for Wall Street since all that absolutely crazy ass like roller coaster shit that was happening in March. Um, it, it's worth pointing out that in March that dive was called like the one of the worst since like 1929. Um, so we're officially operating in new like benchmarks here um, that we're not even able to compare this shit to the Great Depression anymore because now even the Great Depression doesn't work. Um, 
and this is like all this because you're seeing like cases are spiking so it looks like this bullshit reopening is going to finally peter out and the realities that have been accumulating under the surface are going to finally like smash wall street's face into the pavement the people who are going out by and large are not going out for commerce is the problem <laughs> and They're... the issue is the people who are who are holding the bags for like this collapse they aren't the big traders they're a bunch of small little guys using Robin Hood in order to like make a quick buck or thinking that they're going to make a quick buck. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the risk has trickled down to like the smallest, uh, the smallest retail investors. And it's frankly fucking ridiculous. Um, And, And it's worth remembering this shit is not unprecedented during the great depression, like within weeks of the famous crash of 1929 there was already a somewhat Mm -hmm. sustained stock rally which held up for like about a quarter or two and then completely gave way and never recovered (laughs) so this kind of like totally baseless optimism that's running entirely on smoke and mirrors it happens yeah and i think that some of us who are doomsday economists we kind of missed that we figured you know um oh it it looks like you know numbers returning to normal like everything's just going back to normal now and like what what the fuck is going on and what the fuck is going on is uh, there's there's two basic things that were driving the rally um one there wasn't a lot of like actual places to put your money once you know you'd bought up all the bonds and such that you needed um so stocks um seemed like a decent place to stash your money um you know the the free spigot of um money printer bullshit (laughs) um and the other half of it was small retail investors who are like, well, I've heard that Hertz is a really good company and their stock is really cheap right now. I bet it's going to go up. <laughs> so it's like, so there's been like two bag holders, right? There's like, there's one group that, you know, they, they have all the bonds they need. They have all the instruments they need. There's nowhere else to plow their uh, the cash they're getting from the money printer except into stocks. That's part of what's inflating everything. The other part of this stock rally is small retail investors, like the people on Robinhood, who think... Well, Hertz sounds like a really good company. They've been around for a very long time, and their stock is so cheap right now. I don't know why. I don't care why. Um, but it's like, it's a dollar, and so I'll buy it, and I'll probably make money again once the economy restarts. And it got to the point where basically... <laughs> And I, I cannot believe this happened because this should never happen. 
Hertz petitioned the bankruptcy court to allow them to float an equity offering. What? What? They're selling rights to the corpse. Does anybody yes. want some liver? We have some brain. There's some intestines. This is yes. This, this literally, this literally Ferengi shit. This is Ferengi <laughs> shit. This is they are selling pieces of the body at the funeral. <laughs> Jesus. I have it's a like... really great deal on a thigh. You know, <laughs> you know, give give me thirty bucks and I'll throw in an extra thigh for free. Okay, so for people who don't know why uh, this is a thing, under U.S. bankruptcy law, um, holders of equity, um, it's not that they don't get anything. Um, in practice, they usually don't. It's that creditors have to be serviced first. And... The debt restructuring is such that usually the largest creditors get paid. It may be a haircut, it may be in full, but they will get paid first. Holders of equity, by contrast, don't get anything. Um, if there's a little bit of cash left over, um, it is distributed to the remaining equity holders, assuming all that, assuming that like all of the debts are cleared off the board. Um, in a way that satisfies the creditors, but um, equity holders, they go last. They always go last. So yeah, we got good old-fashioned speculation and hawking penny stocks in the most bullshit way possible. And then trying- This is the sort of stuff that historians, like, you know, a century from now are going to be mocking the shit out of. <laughs> oh yeah. These are going to be like, you know, this is part of the whole, like, we're, like, remember, we've said this before, we're still in the, like, causes of the blah section of the history book, so. And it's like, um, two generations from now, Zoomers will be really embarrassed when there's, like, I don't know what, a YouTube or YourTube video, um, where some kid is smugly mouthing off about how capitalism could never have possibly worked. <sighs> well, all I can say is, Hopefully. like, when we have communist Ben Shapiro, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, it'll be weird. Yeah. Oh yeah, we get this. On top of just all this stupid mm-hmm. shit, needlessly kicking the poor, we've got the march of the red horseman, <laughs> which begins. In fucking London with our friend Boris. Of course. It always begins in fucking London. The fucking hellscape and Boriscape. <sighs> yeah. So apparently they're not seeking a extension to the transition period. Because, nope. you know, the fucking... Like... The sheer stupidity of the British political establishment is simply amazing. That never for a single solitary second did they stop to think that a hard-leave government would uh, get what they want by just refusing to do anything. Even after two years (laughs) of the fucking ERG and Jacob Rees-Mogg doing exactly that in the House of Commons, they somehow couldn't wrap their brains around that 
like a fucking absolute tough like Boris would get his way by just faffing around and running the clock. Yeah. And it's it is important to note that the withdrawal agreement is still in effect. Um that won't change because that's already been negotiated. Um so it won't be like, you know, it won't be a total disaster, but it'll still be pretty rough if you're a British citizen in the EU. You're probably I mean, it's it's complicated. You're, kind of you're less You're kind of fucked. Not as bad as if you're an EU citizen in the UK, but you're going to be kind of fucked for a while. Yeah, there's been a ton of British British citizens in the EU who've been seeking or have sought citizenship in the respective countries that they're residing in within the EU. Yeah, this is... And what makes this even more fucking perverse is... And really truly elevates like Boris Johnson to the level of like death cult prophet. He's definitely like ascended to that point is that the EU has offered to extend the transition period within the withdrawal agreement, sight unseen, no questions asked because of COVID. Like they basically gave him a fucking, like we will retain status quo as things are right now for a little longer because we're currently in the middle of a disaster. And he went, no, fuck that. Hmm. I think when he caught COVID nineteen and he suffered, he must he must have seen death. He must have seen me and th- thought, you know what? I really like this. What if I made all the rest of the pe- all of the rest of the people on the UK witness death too? This was how he became a death cult cultist. Yeah, like this is how he ascended from just like a mere cultist sitting there going. I am, like, we're just going to take it on the chin to, like, a true prophet. Is he, like, suffered COVID and came back and went, I'm just going to, like, really go all in on that Singapore special for the UK. So, wait, my question here is, are we going to be getting, like, the hard exit option? Um, ah, yeah. So, um... I think that's, I mean, that's what they're going to get. <laughs> yeah. End of. If they don't go for an, ex- well, it sounds like what they're also doing is they're just like completely punting on any actual negotiations of status post yeah. Brexit. So. I mean, the withdrawal agreement is still in place. This is deliberate, like achieving no deal by virtue of actively bad faith. Yeah. I mean, the withdrawal agreement is still active. I we mean, still have, there's like, always been these comparisons between Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. And one of the things that they that a lot of people don't really get when they when they mm-hmm. make this comparison is, yeah, like uh, Boris Johnson can be very goofy in the way that he acts, but he's not he's not an idiot by any measure. He's very politically like savvy, like. Just imagine if it was Mitch McConnell in the U.S. who was president, Mm -hmm. but he gave off the image of being like Donald Trump. But, you know, in actuality, he was doing his Mitch McConnell five-dimensional chess. That's Boris Johnson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
he is a totally elite Toph who climbed his way up through the snake pit that is the Tory party. He is not like Donald Trump, who basically staged a hostile takeover of the Republican Party, um, but mostly, like, from a position of being a reality TV star, like, Boris Johnson actually knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, and has demonstrated that repeatedly. And mm. also has large chunks of the British establishment, particularly the press, like, firmly in his pocket. So... Yeah. He can get away with this shit. To an extent. Like... <laughs> yeah, and it's like... It's not, like, the total no-deal Brexit that some psychos were hoping for. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Like I said, it's um, very much sure of get, get off the pot. We're not in a position where there's... Like, the current status quo is clearly unsustainable. Some form a transfer payment scheme is required because that's the only reason the united states hasn't fucking fallen apart yet so yeah so and and then we've got like just this shit in georgia where the georgia state government decided to pull a jim crow in last week's primary elections while people are while black people are already out in the streets protesting police brutality to begin with in record numbers um like what would like there's been calls for an investigation and initial returns from those primaries have shown that voters in predominantly non-white areas in Georgia were running into things like polling stations running out of ballots, polling stations turning people away based on like claiming they weren't registered or didn't live there or whatever. Um like polling stations just straight up being shut down like in ways that consistently were targeting like any neighborhood that wasn't predominantly white and there were also some interesting things like um there was this one county um we'll we'll link the whole twitter thread in the description obviously uh where basically they um there was a race between two DAs and the establishment DA um, has been doing a lot of fuckery with like backlogs and such and they arrested the um, uh, the uh, the challenger to that um, he still got felony charges on him and so do a couple of people for basically making a a rap campaign video. <laughs> um, and then uh, the challenge, uh, the incumbent lost by like six fucking points. And the Republicans didn't think to challenge it, so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shit's just. That like, happened. Yeah, this is just more of this whole like, let's dump gasoline on the fire here. Like, we're already treating black people horribly. Let's yeah, do a Jim yeah, Crow. Because... While they're already, like, burning down yeah. these presents. And so that's... <laughs> that's basically what happened. Like, they decided, you know, we're, we're gonna stir up tensions in the community right as, you know, everything's going to hell for cops. <laughs> and they're you know standing in society it's, it's great so nuts. it's great 
and it's yeah um oh yeah and didn't they burn down a denny's i know oh yeah it was a wendy's Wendy's. this was a wendy's yeah yeah because because what happened was they they shot oh they shot some poor bastard for falling asleep in his car that's basically what happened the pigs, you know, just straight up murdered someone as, for the audacity of falling do. asleep in their car um, in a drive-thru. Yeah. And needless to say, the locals took exception to this and burned the offending Wendy's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, as they should. And, as they should. And in the middle... Oh, totally. Atlanta like, has been going car- hardcore. <laughs> it's incredibly impressive. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised just, if we get another Minneapolis like situation in Atlanta yeah this is like I mean this is what we've said before oh yeah um, people who are saying oh no this is all going to fizzle out this moment is going to lose its momentum and all that is there are forgetting that the people in power are stupid and cruel and only think in punitive terms so they're going to keep doing stupid petty cruel shit that pisses people off yeah it's not that things have stopped it's that that the media has stopped covering it because um for a number of reasons they don't they don't want to give the protesting more legitimacy than they already have and there's not enough if it bleeds it leads content for them to seize on um Atlanta, the media only noticed because it got violent. And well, someone think of the Wendy's. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this shit's not. Yeah, and, and the no, other reason feels... this shit's not going to go away <laughs> actually kind of comes with the Black Horseman. Because oh, we're now yes. seeing this new buzzword that's showing up. Um, and we're linking to like specifically like the company that's putting this out from uh, SME, who are who put forward this like new thing. It's this new buzz that's starting to pop up in supply chain discussions called pandemic adaptive supply chains, um, and their whole like concept for this is that we need to find a way to make supply chains um, more resilient and more diversified, and we need to move away from massive globe-spanning supply chains. But it doesn't, you know, say anything about the... Like, it doesn't actually address the underlying fundamental thing called this shit's not coming back. Like, these... Yeah, these globe spanning I mean... supply chains, and like, not only is this shit not coming back, it's not going to be easy to move a lot of this shit over to these like nice, resilient, but still somehow complies with just in time manufacturing model thing. Like, you could kind of do that with agriculture to an extent, but you really can't do that with most of industry, especially not when you've had 40 fucking years of investment in these incredibly fragile just-in-time systems. And a lot of it is 
uh, the reason that you like outsource, say, electronics manufacturer to China is because they've already got like these huge vertically um, integrated supply chains that you can get just about anything from. Um, or you could until this shit happened. And so it's like they're either going to have to like replicate that vertical integration model um, in other places, like, you know, bring some of that back to the U.S., have a total vertically integrated enterprise for electronics manufacture, or they're going to have to, like, deintegrate it. But it's like there's a few problems with that. One, nobody knows how to do that um, because we kind of you know, destroyed a lot of that capacity to do so. And two, where the fuck are you going to get the money? Yeah, there's no cap. There's barely any capital here. We're talking about businesses that are steeped not just up to their eyeballs, but up to their fucking brains in so much debt. Like, they're leveraged to the fucking moon that the amount of investment required to, like, rebuild industry mm -hmm. in order to fit this model of pandemic adaptive supply chains a future-proof approach. There's just not enough investment there. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. These guys are at the point of yeah. putting fucking I, phone books in metal attache cases and passing them off like there's actually money there. Yeah. And it's like, at this point, I mean... I, I could look the thing of it is is I could see it happening the trouble is is this is not the kind of environment you really want to be investing that stuff in and I mean I don't I don't see it it's like how how would you even raise that kind of capital um, there's not gonna be much appetite for new uh, uh, for new ventures like that, even though the supply chain probably should well, and the be thing decentralized. They don't get also is the decentralized mm -hmm. supply chains that we threw in the trash, starting with Ronald Reagan, um, were mostly mm -hmm. an organic development over the course of like basically a hundred years of economic development. This was like it's sort of like the total antithesis oh, yes. of like the shit with neoliberalism where it, which was really top down it was really centralized and it moved in a very centralizing direction in a lot of ways and it's there isn't exactly a model for that because the way those supply chains developed was mostly based on hey you have iron over there I'm close to railroad lines where people live over here and where all the factory workers are, let's set up a fucking railroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just... I don't see it. And I don't see it working out for them in quite the way that they would want it, because it's like... It's like that whole, you know, really fucked up thing where they send fish from the UK to be processed in China and then shipped back for sale there because the labor is cheaper. Like, 
a large part of this is because of labor discipline. Capital disciplining labor. And they're belatedly realizing that, oh shit, maybe... <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have done that. Because all they could see then was how do we keep the workers in line? And now they're like, oh shit, that's all we got left. So we've got this kind of, now they're belatedly trying to clot back, but there's way too much capital that's been lost. There's way too much capacity that's being lost. Like shit, like basically air, air travel as we know it, both passenger and freight is basically over because of how many aircraft are going to be boneyarded before this is done. Um, this, like everything that made that system possible is dead. And that means a lot of things are going to come tumbling down with that because it's all being held up by bullshit money that's disappearing. So, you know, we're going to be having people like, we already have people starving in the street, full stop. We're going to have lots of people getting evicted. This economy that existed six months ago is never going to come back again. Not without at least a decade of concentrated investment and something that nobody's going to see as a good idea. Um, so the only thing that's left is a lot more people are going to be suffering. A lot more people are going to be getting like fucked up by the pigs for being poor and for all the ways that they criminalize poverty. And this is just a direct line of gasoline to the ongoing inferno that sooner or later is going to turn into a firestorm that sweeps across the entire United States. I wonder, you know, I wonder what oh. happened to Well, I, sorry to ruin your, your childhood, but Chuck E. Cheese is on, is on his way out. You know, he was a real, like, his story is a real, like, Horatio Alger um, tale. Like, there was, like, there is actually, apparently, like, some creative writing or English major was given this assignment early on in the history of Chuck E. Cheese and was probably like weeping bitter tears the whole time and wondering why they had sunk to this level that they needed to write this trash to like pay the rent. I mean, um, how do you think sacrifices work in capitalism, Doc? Yeah. So, so this is like, this is the story of Charles Entertainment Cheese. Also, it's Chuck E. actual full name. Like there's an actual like... They have an actual, like, written document with no known author because nobody wants to be associated with this held by the company. That I'm sure someone will buy in bankruptcy court. The Alan yep, Smithy I'm just not of putting it on there. So yeah, apparently here's the story in brief. Um, apparently he was an orphan and never knew what his birthday was, so he never had birthday mm -hmm. parties. Um... So instead, you would, like, crash other kids' parties, and that gave him, like, a love for video games and pizza, and then he was able to, like, leave the orphanage because he won a Pong video game tournament and used the 50 bucks to, like, fuck off to New York, as you do. And he, even though he was, like, free, he was still, like, broke as fuck um, and had nowhere to stay. So he's, like, basically fucks off from this orphanage that must be some such a Dickensian hellhole that he's, like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go to New York and be homeless in New York. In, like, I think this has gotta be, like, the 70s or the 80s, so... Uh, 
like if oh, I, like based on when this <laughs> chain started um and so like his solution was apparently he would sleep above the kitchen in a pizzeria run by a friendly italian chef named pasquale 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 oh my um and then one day in some kind of like really awful like five nights at freddy that freddy's like prequel to ratatouille um pasquale finds like charles sleeping on top of his fucking pizza oven and freaks out and so the the little mouse decides the best thing to do is sing and apparently it was beautiful and um this is a direct quote. His response was, he was so shocked, he dropped his rolling pin. A mouse that can sing? My restaurant is saved! I'm a gonna make you a star! How is this random Italian chef in New York City gonna make this mouse a star? This, like, you know, pizza chef that apparently fell out of some, like, really shitty 1920s, like, screed about the evil Italians invading our like brave shores so and apparently so they set him up as an attraction as a singing mouse for his pizzeria and people start walking out during his first performance until he starts singing happy birthday and that's like you know the backstory to chuck e cheese wow i'm i'm happy that chuck e cheese is gonna be dying so now let's get into the nitty-gritty of what's happening to our dear old friend Chuck E. Cheese. So they, oh, Chuck E. Cheese has nearly one billion dollars in debts, and the company that owns them, CEC Entertainment, is trying to get a two hundred million dollar loan. Whether they'll get that or not, it's hard to say. But the fucking cherry on top of all of this. Especially at a time when they're considering refinancing, bankruptcy, and restructuring, is that they've gave that they gave retention bonuses of one million each to three of the top executives at Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> and that's not to mention that seventeen thousand workers were laid off in March. But you know, speaking of Pasquale, they tried to, they tried to like reorient themselves in this time to, you know, instead of being Chuck E. Cheese's to be. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Oh, God. So if if, wow. if if you ever wanted to get shitty pizza from Chuck E. Cheese, this is your chance. Oh, yeah. Run. Don't walk. Yeah, there was... There were... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, I remember. Because, like, um... Like, you know, before I stopped, like, using those apps entirely, I noticed that, like, there was a new pizza shop around, uh, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. I didn't order from there, because I'd never fucking heard of it. Yeah, it was for the best. Apparently, that was probably for the best. <laughs> I'm sure each branch ha now has their own, like, Chuck E. Cheese employees sleeping under the oven. Oh, my God. Oh, Yeah. You know, when they're not, you know, smashing animatronics in front of Friday night. Well, children. you know, how how else are they going to promote, like, a Friday night at Freddy's? <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
That crossover, we all knew that crossover deal was a bad idea, but, you know, apparently these guys getting the cool million for retention didn't. So it's not just Chuck E. Cheese that's in trouble. We have IHOP that is not doing so well. Um, One of the franchises that holds about 49 IHOP locations, CFRA Holdings, filed for bankruptcy in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny's is not doing so well. Ruby Tuesdays not having a good time, and TJ TGI Friday more like thank God it's over. <sighs> I have nothing of value. <laughs> no, you know we won't, we won't even have like people defending all of the. Um, we won't even have the people defending IHOPs or Denny's or Applebee's or whatever. We're just gonna have the dead husks of restaurants that are used for whatever guerrilla warfare we see in the future. I mean, at least those Denny's will make some nice trading posts for buying and selling in caps. Look, this is why I've been like stocking up on caps ahead of time. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. getting I'm getting ahead of the market here. So now, speaking of the, re- the, the real doozy, we have to talk about the looming bank collapse. Oh, yeah. The, the time when Wall Street <laughs> did enough coke and lewds to, like, make Larry Kudlow wince. So you know how uh, Chuck E. Cheese and other restaurant chains are going down the toilet rather quickly? Well, for a lot, for a lot of these companies that are, you know, towards mm-hmm. the end and having a very bad time, they get something that call, that's called a collateralized loan obligation. And it's very similar to what, what, what you saw back in the 2000s with CDOs, which are collateralized debt obligations. And basically what, what it is, is a, for a collateralized loan obligation is you, you compile together all, this different, all these different corporate debt loans to different companies that are on the edge. And until you have what's, and you stack them on top of each other in layers. The worst a- assets are at the bottom, and the best assets are at the top. And this has been the, to put it one way, the the fucking awful gambling game that's been going on since the financial sector got a slap on the wrist back in like 2008 and 2009. And, yeah. I mean, it's it's worth noting that like COLs are not quite CDOs in that there's a more limited set of entities that can actually buy them. Um, there doesn't seem to be as much interest in derivatives on them, but I mean, they said that back when they mm-hmm. were doing the mortgage. And the thing that people yeah, don't really get was... about the CLOs. Is they're made to travel businesses that have maxed out their that have maxed out their um, their borrowing and can no longer sell bonds to investors or qualify for traditional bank loans. Yeah, this is basically loan sharking, but on a wider scale, a much yeah. wider scale. And yeah. It's oh yeah, and this is if you remember the whole junk bonds thing from the eighties. 
it's basically and it's, that. In a, it's been it's estimated market. that there's over $1 trillion in leverage loans outstanding. And most of those are CLOs amounting to about $880 billion. And of course, Jesus. there's going to be all of that $880 billion is probably going to be going completely poof and is holding up a lot of other companies that then have the conventional loans that are going to be fucked. And their stocks will be worthless. And like literally... Unless they can find a way to like carve them up and sell the corpses. And literally, this is all because you had corporations that were binging on cheap commercial debt for like this... For like these like last two decades or three decades like clos have been around for at least three well, decades i believe uh, well it's especially like particularly within the last decade since 2008 because the entire response to that crisis was we're just going to give you basically free money by dropping interest rates into the toilet and make it really easy to get credit out into the economy. And then no substantive changes really happened. So all like the big neolib shitheads in the Obama administration were sitting around going, well, we've done some like cosmetic financial reforms and we've done all the other things that Milton Friedman's ghost is okay with. Why is number not cooperating well fuck it we'll just give it free money so if you if you want to see <laughs> what we're looking at when number doesn't cooperate anymore with this collateralized loan obligations, basically if you imagine imagine a square that's split up into many different like smaller squares you, at the bottom you have the much more riskier asset assets and at the top you have the assets that are supposed to be much better and much safer um so what happens is if, you know, if the some of the bottom ones default, because they're separate from the top ones, they should be fine. But the worry here is that if you get, if you get more and more of the bottom ones, like default, defaulting, and it starts to like eat up, eat up more and more, eventually it's going to come for the top assets uh, for in these collateralized loan obligations. And to bust a myth that some people have about this, like we're not taught the top asset, the top financial like debts within these CLOs. There aren't, there aren't triple A's. They're not even double A's or A's. Most of them are B's. Like that is the best that you're going to get for like how they are rated. So we're not, and like, and to put it, and to put it one way, like, you know, B rated debt is considered very, very lousy debts. And it just, it makes me angry we had this fucking horrific esoteric suicide pact that was basically forged by the free market fairy. Like, I don't know what to fucking tell you people, but do not make deals with eldritch deities. It's a bad idea. Yeah. The, this is just... Yeah. Do you not stop. consort with the Like, fae. this shit is just so... And they know this shit doesn't work. They know this is a dumb idea. But because they couldn't figure out a way to goose more out of an economy that was stubbornly not cooperating on a material level, they just came up with a new way to bullshit their way out of this. And now you've got shit like the chain, like the chain of payments crisis and all this other shit that's unfolding that's going to absolutely obliterate any like pretense of revenue. 
for these vulnerable companies. <laughs> and it just makes me so angry, oh, especially because when we were listening to Mnuchin earlier, is that like the the is that like the risk for like for these investments for CLOs has been consistently downplayed by Mnuchin and Powell. Like these aren't good assets by any means. Like we're just being told the same lies that we were told before the two thousand seven two thousand eight mortgage crisis. Well, and I think it's like a lot of the thinking is that oh, it's only eight hundred eighty billion in exposure. Uh, the Federal Reserve can absorb that easily. And to be fair, some of that debt is on oh, yeah. the Federal Reserve but... books uh, because of the asset buying that's been happening recently. Uh, uh, the, you know. But, you know, when the economy is contracting by, like, the official number as of June 12th, by the way, from the Fed, is we had a 48% GDP loss. That's a 48 GDP loss. Um, so, like, just shy of half the economy going kaboom in the last three months. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, at this, how much of and the economy Steve. that's left <laughs> is made up of, like, I mean, that really kind of sort of leaves the open question of, like, what percentage of the economy is not basically the federal government or the federal government farting money at Wall well, Street. Do you want to hear the numbers for the fucking financial bullshit that these companies have been like playing around with CLOs? Huh. So the Bank for International Settlements uh, back in 2018 basically estimated that banks held at least $250 billion of CLOs. The federal... Oh, fuck. The federal economy types, like the ec economists at the Fed, <laughs> basically estimated that U.S. depository institutes and holding companies held more than $100 billion of CLO assets in Cayman Islands alone. And like the banks, like overall, have been pretty inconsistent about reporting how much CLO holdings they have. And the Financial Stability Board that monitors the global economic health of the world said uh, and warned that 14% of CLOs, more than 100 billion, are unaccounted for. Uh, yeah, wow. and get this about Wells Fargo. They have they have at least 200. Uh, not they have at least 29.7 billion dollars in CLOs hit that was hidden deep inside a report. But that's not to mention that later on, like, a f you know, just a few years ago, they admitted that they have like another seven or eight billion that was of CLOs that was hidden, that was hidden elsewhere within that same report. Um, and the Financial Stability Board has all has estimated that about 30 globally important banks, their average exposure for uh, leveraged loans and CLOs was 60% of capital on hand. Citigroup oh, has yeah, Citigroup has 20 billion. JP Morgan Chase has 37 billion. Mid and get this, this is this is the kicker right here. Mid-sized banks like Bank of California, Stiffel and Stiffel Financial have CLOs totaling uh, more than 100% of their capital. <sighs> Wow, this is like, yeah, at this point, the only thing that's going to be left is 
money coming out of the federal government as like Jerome Powell and everyone else at the Fed are like sacrificing increasingly massive herds of various animals and whatnot to please convince the IMF not to call bullshit. Like, please convince everyone else, please don't call bullshit on that the U.S. dollar is basically, like, a bunch of bad debts in a trench coat. What's that um, anime about that guy who can, like, <laughs> write a name in a book and that person dies? Uh, death, death Note. Note. Well, that reminds me. We have some, we have some businesses on the death list uh, that was basically estimated by, by this uh, rating agency called Fitch. Um, AMC Entertainment, Bob's Discount Furniture, California Pizza Kitchen, The Container Store, Land's End, Men's Warehouse, and for all the third grade party people out there, Party City, Envision Healthcare, which they're basically medical contractors, IntelSat, which does satellite broadband access, Hoffmaster, which does packaging for restaurant companies, uh, so we're likely going to see a lot of these companies like co collapse and fall apart if they have not fallen apart already. And the thing that just makes me so fucking angry here is it's very obvious that there's a crisis here. Like more and more people are talking about it and like loan defaults are increasing, but banks are not backing away from buying up CLOs. They're only increasing it. You know, they're stuck in this party yeah. mode. And even in the, like, you even see in, like, the business press, yeah. like, that there are finally, you're starting to see in, like, Salon and a couple other places, you're starting to see people, like, actually being honest and saying this is the worst crash in American history since 1929. And they're finally, like, catching up to, like, where we were in February of this year. Um, they're finally starting to yeah. go, oh, shit, actually, it's a long mm -hmm. way down. Um, so what we're like, hey guys, it's worse than that. <laughs> so what we're going to be likely seeing in the future is yeah. uh, leverage loan defaults increasing significantly. We're likely going to see bankruptcy courts buckle under the weight of just innumerable amounts of of like of like bankruptcies. And with the way that set it up, I still haven't talked about this earlier, but. For a lot of these companies that declare bankruptcy, you know, it's first gonna, it's first gonna be the creditors that get the money out of it. So any investors at the end are very are gonna be lucky if they can get pennies on the dollar. Um, if that. And it's not just it's not just banks that are yeah. exposed to all of these fucking fucking demonic financial assets. We have insurance companies. <laughs> AIG itself is exposed to about nine billion dollars of of these yeah they are they got yeah, bailed out and we're allowed around? to continue to exist because you know that that's we live in the stupidest timeline you know it's yeah <laughs> oh my god you know a lot of this from a lot of the clo business reminds me of like the situation in 2007 where the derivatives market was blowing up because everyone was realizing, okay, yeah, the underlying loans may be bad, but it's time to like, mm -hmm. it's time to start foisting this stuff. Yeah. Off and speaking of backholders, we also have pension funds, mutual funds, 
exchange traded funds that are heavily invested in leveraged loans and collateral loan obligations. Um, yeah, and apparently, in U.S. insurance companies have about one fifth of their capital tied up in leveraged loans and collateral loan obligations. This is going to wipe it all out. <laughs> At this point, it's, I mean, the supply chain system that made neoliberalism possible is dying. And it looks like finance is about to ignite itself in the mother of all yeah. models. And, how, and one of the ways they've been hiding this fucking bullshit is through subsidiaries called variable interest entities, where they basically, all the risky bets that they're doing, the stuff that like does not look pretty in any way at all, they keep, they keep it off their books by, you know, putting it at all in these like VIEs. And it's, take Wells Fargo, for example, it's as, like they apparently have about $1 trillion in VIE assets. And a lot of VIE, VIE assets are basically securities based off commercial mortgages. And given that we're seeing a lot of companies right now defaulting on their commercial mortgages, well, <laughs> Wells Fargo is not going to be in for a good time. Like, if I'm going to make a prediction here, <laughs> I think Wells Fargo is likely going to collapse. Like, unless they get bailed out, unless they get saved. And honestly, like, if that, if they get saved, if, Wells Fargo gets bailed out or one of these other fucking evil financial companies gets bailed out, like the government is going to have so much more blood on their hands. Like we're going to see it's going to get bad. Oh yeah. Like it's, this is only shit that's blowing up the, like making the U S dollar itself into a, and like this is, and there's like one thing that like, uh, we've like failed to mention so far is that the U.S. Federal Reserve is not doing repo loans anymore. Cause they're out of money. They're yeah. Out of money. They what? are. They can't keep firing at this level. They they can't like they're already struggling with the sheer amount that they have shot into space to begin with. There's no way they can then turn around and do a repeat of 2008, but worse. Not without, like, a lot of things really starting to go wrong. And a lot of other economic actors finally Ooh. saying, like, I mean, wow. if that shit happens, then the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to stop buying U.S. treasuries. No one's going to touch that shit anymore. And when that happens, there goes the dollar at the end. You don't need China calling in America's debt. You just need enough sovereign buyers and market actors going, yeah, this is fucking dumb. So yeah, money's oh not going to be a thing anymore. God. <laughs> yeah, we're standing by that. The dollar is going to like turn into toilet paper. Hell, toilet paper is going to be more valuable than the dollar. At, at this, this point, point, if you're not investing in bullets and beans, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So yeah, and that really brings us to the gates of <laughs> capitalist hell. <sighs> Since you refuse to free my people all through the land of Egypt, I send a pestilence and plague into your house, into your bed, into your streams, into your streets, into your drink, into your bread, upon your cattle, on your sheep, upon your oxen, in your field, 
into your dreams, into your sleep, until you break, until you yield. I send the sword, I send the horde, thus saith the Lord. So, welcome to the plague times, everybody. Yeah. That, that shit is just... Yeah. <laughs> so we got some fun ones this time on this episode coming up like that both happened and coming up and we're going to kick off with actually the thing that's coming up so everyone's probably heard of Mm -hmm. the whole trump holding the tulsa juneteenth rally like let's totally not like which has been very thoroughly covered as to how this is like unquestionably yes we're adding this to the pile of reasons trump is a massive racist asshat next um it's i mean i hate to say it that way but that's kind of the level we're at with this guy is yes he's a massive racist asshat he did a racist again okay it's horrible this time yes it's absolutely atrocious um are we surprised yeah are we surprised in response as well as in solidarity with black lives matter the longshore union who are basically the people who make all shipping in the united states and canada on the pacific coast run period like full stop period you want to unload a ship anywhere on the west coast of north america north of mexico the longshoremen are the ones who are running the port end of the longshoremen have declared a union-wide solidarity strike not just like and like they've done stuff before where they will like where there will be like a community picket over something like say like when the israeli z ship showed up in oakland people picketed and there's clauses in the uh longshore contracts that basically say the shop steward comes out makes very grave faces and you know like maybe they stroke their chin thoughtfully or something and then they turn around to the harbor master and say this is an unsafe working environment uh we're not coming in today um like it's a very like it's very impressive like theater for covering over like doing something that's actually pretty radical on a regular basis but it's usually local like this usually happens at the local level so this is kind of the first time that in a long time that the entire union has said we're downing tools in solidarity with a cause that is not explicitly related to contract negotiations and you gotta remember all those supply chains that we talked about these are the people who make them work without them all those chinese goods they're pouring in through west coast ports yep so they they are effectively the union it's only for eight (laughs) hours on juneteenth friday june 19th but that's eight hours that they're basically going to be closing their fist around the throat of american capitalism yeah you love to see it you love to general strikes have happened from things like this just saying (sighs) and there was one other thing we wanted to cover the capitol hill autonomous zone uh do either of you want to go in on it because even I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I it's it, it it doesn't help that there's a lot of conflicting information bouncing around. Um, 
like there are sources that are on the ground mm-hmm. and that are getting stuff out um like robert evans uh who writes for bellingcat um was just up there um and tweeting about it um there's also been like some reports that are coming from like local activists and stuff on the ground um so and you know there's the media reporting which ranges from like the new york times and cnbc like covering it kind of almost like it's like a child gawking at the monkeys at the zoo kind of like they just don't know what to make of it um or like fox news like (laughs) literally photoshopping in like a guy with a, a green baklava and a gun into every single shot that they could come up with for covering it so that they could make it out as some kind of like mad max free for all and that somehow it's taken over all of seattle and is run by warlords or something so like we're not like, quite close to fallout yeah yet. <laughs> we're not there yet but you know according to them that's what's happening in Chaz. so it yeah i mean if i'm gonna put my philosopher hat on right now i mean it's Ah. the big issue is that that a lot a lot of these like a lot of these people who get into this ideology of of what's been termed like the leviathan going back to the 18th late 18th century if i remember correctly uh is that it's under the assumption that if there's not a strong ruler above that is enforcing their rule on what's going on down below, then it's going to be chaos and everyone's going to be like, you know, not cooperating and fighting each other and killing each other and it's going to be awful and terrible. And the reason why they they're trying to portray the uh, the Chaz as this is because like they're stuck in this ideological model that if they're not ruling then there's going to be chaos so they're trying to manufacture consent by depicting that by depicting chaos and there's air quotes there in order to be able to take back the chaz from the people who are currently on the ground yeah so what we do know once you sift through the bullshit is that a group of demonstrators in Seattle after, you know, some, like, uh, later, like, earlier this week, the mayor of Seattle promised that they will no longer use tear gas at demonstrations. Of course, there was an asterisk that wasn't read off in this press announcement that basically said, unless, like, you know, the chief of police asks really, really nicely. Um, And then three days later, the cops did a brutality and opened up with tear gas at a demonstration after like pinky swearing that they wouldn't so they got chased out of the neighborhood uh the Mm -hmm. people barricaded the police station and have just sort of left it alone because they're assuming that the police are waiting have left it deliberately to get burned um and have taken over a six block area in capitol hill in seattle like barricades and everything and i don't know it's really it's really pretty fascinating. Um, things are moving quickly. It's, I mean, it's kind of important to know that, like, the thing of it is, is we're just not that good at rioting. I'd like to think of it. I like to think of it this way: what we're seeing here in the Chaz and in Minneapolis and in other areas of the United States 
it's not quite it's not the revolution in any shape or form but it is laying the seeds for revolution in the future and we are in a very fertile situation for that with the capitalist economy like very messily committing suicide over in the corner yeah i mean it's like if you wanted revolution conditions things are too early we part of our show frankly is about tracking um the sort of preconditions um of that change but we're not there yet we're not there yet but we can see it on the horizon we're like one downturn away from getting there and we just got that downturn so it's yeah and the thing this also kind of reminds me of is that these like because you don't just have the chaz you also there was like a deliberate encampment by unhoused people in philadelphia um there's been like chatter about doing autonomous zones in nashville and Asheville, north carolina um nashville tennessee um and there was an attempted one just outside university of chicago that got like very like unfortunately and unceremoniously like chased off by the police not to mention that they keep trying Um, to set up one in portland so it's like we are in like there are people that are making attempts at this and this really feels kind of like where shit was at in early occupy like if you remember those like first couple weeks when like the zuccotti park encampment was like one of the only ones and it was sort of this thing that was in the back of everybody's head um and then some pig went and maced two demonstrators. The video got out, and then every fucking city and town had an Occupy. And that was under way better social conditions yeah. than what we have now. And I think it's... I think it's important to note that it's like... One of the things that's been really kind of irritating is um how to put it some of the responses on the left to it because it's not from their particular political project um would you you well like i mean i've said this before and i'll say this again um every single time there's a great revolutionary upsurge in history the professional revolutionaries are always the ones that are having to play catch up followed shortly after by the state um they like when the masses moved towards revolution in like say russia or in france or got really fucking close in italy and many other places as well usually the people who were like okay we're ready to like overthrow capitalism were the ones who are like wait what it's happening but we're not ready like we don't have like a solid like you know party with a union federation in every major city or whatever like what the fuck's going on here um we don't have a single we don't have a singular like charismatic most, leader that can i mean do the thing for like us. it's worth remembering like the february revolution which set the october revolution in motion in russia happened while most of like say the bolsheviks and other like major distant leaders were in exile either in siberia or switzerland like this happened in the absence of these kind of revolutionary bodies and the same thing happened in france and all these other like both times paris commune and 
1789. Um, events are moving and they're going to be taking shape based on what people have seen and done before. Um, but like both what worked and what didn't. And it's going to be shaped by the material conditions yeah. people are facing. So yeah, yeah, you're not going to see something like Maoist protracted people's war because we're not in warlord China. You're not going to see um, something like, say, the Russian Civil War because you're not in Russia during the First World War or like the crushing of the Spartacist revolt in Germany or, you know, the general strike. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, Spanish exactly. Civil like, War. Our own material conditions are unique, and we have to respond to them and not get lost in the tides of history. We should learn from history, but if we think that we're in the same exact material conditions, then we're just going to end up fooling ourselves. And this time we can shitpost about it. So, you know. <laughs> Always a good thing. And even, let's say, even if the Chaz were to get crushed tomorrow, what what the Chaz has done, like the burning of the police station in Minneapolis is demonstrated along with like what the, you know, the like police free zone in South Minneapolis has demonstrated is that, you know, you can run an area without police. That, that's not a necessity. Like crime goes down. Like these areas become incredibly much more vibrant. Poli police don't sustain the peace. They break the peace. Yeah, like the fact that the yeah. these things have cracked the glass is all they needed to do, really, from a broader, like, you know, this system's already crumbling perspective. They don't need it to be the thing that suddenly then straight line from Chaz to the, like, revolutionary commune of the Americas or something. Um, I mean, it doesn't even work that way anyway, but... And like, and even like the Chaz isn't yeah. calling for things like abolishing capital and all that. They're calling for very specifically, we want to like abolish the police, and here's our specific plan for getting rid of the Seattle PD. Um, and anyone who's standing in our way, yeah. well, well, and we want them well, gone. actually, one last yeah. thing to cover that's also really fucking funny with this is we actually have like the shit libs in Seattle and Washington State are knee jerk. Because of their, like, orange man bad shtick for the last, like, four or five years now, are knee-jerk defending, like, the radicals in the street. I don't expect that to necessarily last, and it's certainly not all of them, but it's a pretty fascinating development. And it's not necessarily... And it's not necessarily ideal either, because you can get the issue of of liberals who come in and try to hijack leadership and de-radicalize things, which has been yeah. something that people in the Chaz have been struggling yeah. with in like recent days. Yeah, and it's it definitely like, and it's something that's very opportunistic, but it's also like it's giving a bigger platform for this thing which I think is not what they're intending to do, but it is. And it's it's actually yeah. getting, like, libs that are not total shits looking at this and going, well, what the fuck's going on here? It's, when you add in the material conditions, it really is kind of a bit of an own goal. Like, because I don't think, because again, I think the material conditions are going to keep worsening and any attempts at co-optation or like 
trying to like placate the masses or anything else are not going to work yeah no i don't think they're gonna work either but you know but i mean like what happens with chaz in the near in the near future like very much depends on getting like the liberal opportunists to not be opportunists anymore and involves like bringing them in and actually you know getting them to not necessarily become marxists or anarchists but to become more sympathetic to the leftist position yeah like we're getting the, yeah. we're getting an alignment of forces that is looking sort of like the opposite of what happened in chile with pinochet where like like one of my props like to say that the reason Pinochet happened was because the center either looked the other way or made common cause with the right and the right went murderous. Whereas now what we're having happen is the center is frankly, like at very, to varying degrees, terrified of the right. The right wants to shoot everybody. And the left is like looking at the center being like, are you going to fucking wake up yet? And like elements of the center are peeling away or giving way in very critical ways that suggests yeah. that they're not going to be like decisively breaking in favor of blood and iron. And that's time. That's an opening. And it's interesting to note too, is that during this time of uprisings, a yeah. lot of the right wing militias and proud boys and those sort of types like, or like have been for the most part, fairly absent. I mean, there was the case of literal death squads in Portland, but besides that, like, we haven't really seen like th we haven't seen the efforts of rightists like well far rightists come up too much. Look, that can't they can't manage a piss up in a brewery. Yeah. That's why they're like we're seeing that what's been affected, what's been speculated since like 2017 is now being proven that the best they could hope for is being an unorganized auxiliary to the police. And it's worth noting that while the Boog Kids are very hostile to the police, none of them particularly want to be the only yeah. one rebelling. Because it's like they're, they're waiting for a trigger that may or may not come. Uh, some of them got impatient, like that, that jackass who... Um, Oh, I mean, it's like, yeah, he killed, uh, he killed a cop, and wait, is this the same Jack, jackass who used IEDs and state police? Yeah, that guy. He went full out. Yeah, like, they caught him in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Yeah, and it's like, like, I don't know. He he didn't do this to help us, but it's like. Like th this sort of thing always tends to happen. Like you know, they they some lone wolf snaps and yeah, and goes we've got a situation it. where eighty percent of Americans in polling now think the country is going in the wrong direction. So because they're right, but yeah, that's yeah. that's where we're at. Is we've got <laughs> assholes in power that are deliberately kicking people in the face because that's all they can do. We've got strains in the system and Chuck E. Cheese is no longer going to be able to sleep over that pizza oven, so. Chuck E. Cheese is homeless again. 
This has been Chop Shop Economics. Reading this shit so you don't have to. Bye. Bye, everybody.